This is, uh, this is so, so important that we would get oriented once again to, to what, this, what this gospel is. Father, I ask you to magnify, magnify with greater intensity and greater focus what's happened in Jesus. I pray, Lord, pray for me. Pray, pray for my friends that are hearing this, that we could hear you speaking clearly in these scriptures giving us an understanding of Christ in a new, fresh way. And in his name we pray, amen. Okay. The Amen, chapter 1. The Amen of God. That's how Paul describes Jesus. Look at verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our Amen to God for his glory. Uh, Paul starts off the the, the chapter blessing the Corinthians, he speaks so graciously to them. He has a conflict going on with them, but he speaks graciously to them. And then he's, he, 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 he brings up the centerpiece of redemptive history. If, if you've ever sort of wondered what's going on in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a, is a, a chronology of all the promises of God, but they are not fulfilled. The Old Testament is anticipation. And they culminate, this, this anticipation culminates in the arrival of Christ. He's the amen of God, meaning he's the fulfillment. He's the, this is so, so be it. In him are all the promises of God fulfilled. And Paul begins to introduce to the Corinthians and I think it would be right to, to ask this question, Corinthians, where are you? You are in the age of the Spirit. And this is a unique, promised age. Ezekiel and Jeremiah particularly describe this as the age when the, the heart of stone in us would be changed to a heart of flesh. When God would put his Spirit in us when we would be adopted in sonship, never to be abandoned, the amen of God has brought this about. Usually in the epistles, the Apostle Paul is building up the recipients of his letters. Yes, he has exhortations coming. Yes, he has a, an imperative coming, meaning something to be obeyed. But the indicatives, the statements of being, are, are usually setting up a foundation for obedience. Look at chapter 2. Corinthians, where are you? Verse 14. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Corinthians, where are you? You're in a triumphal procession. You, you have been captured by the mercy of God and he has and Paul does not hesitate to use the language of enslavement there is a as Paul was enslaved to self-righteous seeking self-righteousness enslaved to himself and his own pursuits now in Christ we've been enslaved and now we are being brought along in a triumphal procession you are always being led how do you think about your life? Do you have a grasp of that? You are always being led 
always being led by God. And Paul goes on to say that as apostles, it's, it's a hard thing because as they are proclaiming Christ, they are a kind of aroma of Christ to those who are perishing, to those who reject the message, to those who receive it, they're a fragrance of, of life to life. Where are you, Corinthians? You're in a triumphal procession. Think about that. Where are you? As you think about your life, the direction of your life, can your life just be summarized by, oh, you had a time of education, you were, you know, you were raised by your parents and you, you went through your educational years, now you have your career, and now you're moving through your career, and then you're heading into your retirement. Is that kind of, is that the flow of your life? Is that really, you have been brought into the triumphal procession of Christ. Chapter 3, let's go, let's keep moving here. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. We've talked about this. The Corinthians wanted a, 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 apparently perhaps people from Jerusalem to certify. Paul's the real deal, right? I mean, he's an apostle, right? We should listen to him, right? And Paul just thought this was ridiculous. You are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. This means that God has written, look at how the end of verse 3 goes, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but tablets of human hearts. The question might be asked, where is the spirit? Is the spirit someone I must uh, seek after? Is the spirit someone I must, well, if I, if I resolve to do certain things, will, will I get more of the spirit? Paul says, no, the The Spirit abides in you. You are our letter of recommendation, meaning the effective work of God to bring people into salvation has happened. And it's underway, if you have faith in Christ, it's underway in you even now. Where are you, Corinthians? Look at verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're in a place of freedom. You're no longer under the the tutelage of the law, constantly being reminded of how far short you fall. You are under the freedom of sons and daughters who have been received by the Father through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Corinthians, where do you want to be? Where do, you, where, do you want to, where do you want to go? And you can sense this in this Greek culture. They want to go to some state of glory, something, some shining glory from their culture. And Paul says, the glory has come in, into you, and, it, and it's shining in you, and you're, you're like an unveiled face, meaning you have, you have direct access to glory, the glory of the only begotten Son, it's interesting that Paul clearly does say that we see through a glass darkly, right? We, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? But it's interesting, he uses the imagery of seeing multiple times. We see spiritually. If, you're, if you have faith in Christ, if you are trusting in Christ, this has begun in you. You are seeing, seeing spiritually, and God is revealing the glory of his Son, Look at chapter 4. 
For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And once again, similar to chapter 3, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There it is again, that theme of, of shining. And now you can see something of the glory of God. And then you can also glory even in weakness. Look at verse 7. And we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Well, why would you write that to the Corinthians? Why would you say something like that to them? Well, we all love power, or we all love sort of the sense of being, being in power, or we want a sense of a church with power. But Paul says we actually have a treasure in earthen vessels, meaning the whole point is that the surpassing power doesn't come from us. Christ, Corinthians, where are you? You're in the weakness zone. You're in the place where it's okay to be weak. It's okay to, to have these areas of your life that are not all put together. It's okay to suffer and to have hardship. And Paul actually calls it a treasure. It's okay. It's okay that we are not all that. Corinthians, where are you? Calling them back. Oh, look, chapter 5 is just fantastic. Look at chapter 5. If you've ever wondered if, if, if all this grace preaching, won't that lead to lawlessness, right? Have you ever come across that? All this, you can't tell people that. They will turn and they will go and do wrong things, right? You heard this? You've got to kind of keep a little edge there. You've got to keep a little uncertainty there. You can't really say there's now no condemnation in, for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. You can't quite say that. Uh, look at verse 14 of chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us. The grace of God has impacted us so Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who might live no longer, would no longer live for themselves, but for him for whose sake he, uh, he, for their sake died and was raised. The implications are, Corinthians, where are you? The age to come has come crashing into your hearts. The age to come, the age beyond even judgment day, has come in the forgiveness of sins. And now, as you look out upon the world, get rid of your old way of seeing people. Where are you, Corinthians? You're in the age to come. Therefore, verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, new creation talking with someone just recently, and I, we were reviewing these concepts and ideas, and they said, you know, I don't think the average Christian thinks this way. I don't think they think this way. Imagine someone who is struggling with glory, or they, 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 want, they want something for their life. They want something that just feels out of sorts in their life, something they can't handle, something they don't, they don't want in their life. Think of the Corinthians. 
And then you say to them, but if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. <laughs> How does that help me? <laughs> if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has, has arrived already. You're already, Todd, touching Diocletian's palace. There's no need to be worried. There's no need to be burdened. You're already in the palace. You're already in the age to come. Now, this might sound like, I don't know, does it sound like silly talk? Does it sound like, this is, it's, it's, I know where I am, I'm right here. This is how the Bible, this is how our New Testament presents us. You have entered into the age to come through the one who died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and now is ascended, and you are in him. And this is really, really true of you. And Paul says it in this way, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Now notice he doesn't just say that. Look at the end of verse 17. The old has passed away. The old ways of evaluating, status-seeking, becoming someone, becoming something. What more would you want than to enter in to the age to come through forgiveness of sins, brothers and sisters? Behold, new has come. In verse 18, all this is from God, who Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what does that look like? Drop down to verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now all of this is setting up something. And what I've tried to do this morning is to set up next Sunday as well. And here's what's going on. Something's going to happen in chapter Six, that's going to feel like, well, this has all been great stuff, and I hope it has. But now, chapter six is going to be, now, no longer live in close, tight association with darkness. You've left that realm. You've left that world. Look at verse 14 of chapter six, right there in your, on your worship folder. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Now you can circle that and you can connect that with verse 21 of chapter 5. You have become, through Jesus, the righteousness of God. You have escaped the old age. And now Paul is setting up an exhortation and by the way, he goes on and on with rhetorical questions. I have not included all of them here. It's quite a section. For what fellowship has light with darkness or lawlessness uh, with righteousness? So, brothers and sisters, I just I want you to I want you I want you to just have a gospel feast this morning, a gospel soak. And to, and to see that you are part of this age that has arrived. And I hope that was helpful. Another way of saying what I, I've been tempted to say is not only the, the imagery of Diocletian's palace, but another story of travels. 
One time, my Marianne and I and the girls, we had another kind of exotic trip. We went to Bangkok, and uh, we had all kinds of excursions and amazing things. And, well, I was out in front of our hotel, and a group of, I imagine, British tourists came sort of running up to me. And they said to me, they said, look, we see McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we see this place and this place. In other words, these are places, these are, and we're in Thailand. And they say to me, where can we get some Thai food? Now, it was, I was really proud of myself because I wasn't sarcastic. And I said, well, you know what? I know it's around here somewhere. Um, I think if you just go right down that street and just keep looking for it, I think you'll find it. That's all I said, right? Now, can you get Thai food in Thailand? Isn't that silly? What is it about us? At least those ladies were hungry for Thai food. What I mean by this, brothers and sisters, is It's good to be close and hungry. It's good to be close to the things of God, but also hungry for them. It's good to be in the midst of of God's church and this gospel truth. That's good. But now you've got to hunger for it. And the Spirit, the Spirit is in you to do this. I want you to know that. You see, that day, going back to Diocletian's palace, I just stumbled over there. And, you know, I couldn't turn to Marianne and the girls and say, well, I found it, right? As if I was clever, right? No, you know what happened? It found me. That's what happened that day. And you know what happened to you? Before you ever had a hunger for this gospel stuff, the hunger came to you. And it was, you were born again, and the light from the age to come has shone into your hearts, brothers and sisters. And God has done an inside job in your heart, and the Holy Spirit is active and working in you, producing a hunger. And it's good to be close to it. But now the hunger has to take hold. And you have to know what you're missing. You have to know. And and all these verses are are a way of understanding. I think I'm not understanding it. And that's okay. That's okay. I want you to know we're we're with you as a church to to explore this. Please don't feel ashamed of of, of some misunderstanding. Uh, I'm a guy who can't even find a palace that I'm right underneath. Okay? So I understand what it means to misunderstand and not understand where you are. Understand Let me pray for us. Lord, where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Man, what a a sweet, sweet book we have here, Father. These messages of grace, this this sweet book. Lord, make, make your presence known beyond this, this hour. Produce in us the hunger that we we need. Thank you, Father, for placing us in this 
palace-like kingdom of Jesus who did it all for us. In his name we pray, amen, amen.